0: It's got a soul. This here old farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars, For love is here at Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. Here on the podcast, we tell stories about homesteading, farming, and following your dreams and right now as i'm recording this for you guys i am sitting in my tiny little office here at our farm it's early here on the farm so early in fact that it's just pitch black out and i haven't even gone out to start doing my morning chores i'm sitting in my office here grinding away working on stuff this is the place that i go when i'm working on something that's not directly related to farm work like editing our YouTube videos or putting together podcasts like this. And while I'm sitting in here toiling away, one of the things that motivates me are when I step back and think about all the success stories of the people who are doing what they love and telling amazing stories about it. Seeing that type of stuff just really inspires me personally. And when I think of people who've achieved that goal, two names that immediately pop into my head are my friends Jake and Becky Grisenda of White House on the Hill. If you're not familiar with White House on the Hill, you should go on YouTube and check them out. They are a young family living in Missouri and they have a little homestead and they have a whole bunch of interesting birds and they make some incredibly interesting videos and Over the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed watching those guys and actually getting to know them. And for Jake and Becky, they've experienced a lot of growth in the last year or so. In fact, uh, if you go back one year ago from right now, they were at about 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. And just as I checked this morning, they were up over 225,000 subscribers and rapidly growing. But that type of success doesn't happen overnight, and there was a lot of hard work and sacrifice that that Jake and Becky had to go through to get there. You know, you see their YouTube videos, and it all just looks so easy, and you see how quickly they've grown, and it also just seems so easy. But the other day, I was actually chatting with Jake and Becky to learn more about how they got started, how they built their incredible homestead, and how they built their YouTube channel. And I taped that conversation. And so that's what today's show is going to be all about, is hearing their story. Um, One thing, though, before we go to the interview, uh, you are going to hear a whistling noise in the background of uh, Jake and Becky's audio. Don't be alarmed by that. That's only Bamboo, their pet emu, in the background. (laughs)
1: been married 12 years and we knew each other three years before that we met in 2002 at college. We were at a, a Christian, I saw a, I was going to school for, I'd say for baseball almost. Uh, I was on the baseball team and going to school for graphic design and I saw an ad at a local, you know, an added area in the college for a, a Christian group that was meeting at night and I, and uh, I grabbed like the little pull tab thing of it, and then uh, when I first got there, I I had this feeling like I was gonna go there, you know. In my head, I was saying I'm gonna go meet my wife tonight. I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm gonna go meet my wife. And then she was one of the first couple people I met there, and
2: I was working the table.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was part of the leadership of this group, and then we started going from there. Where I found out she worked at a local sporting goods store, and I was on the baseball team, so I went in there to get a discount on a some discount. on some batting gloves. And then kind of hung out for about 6 months just friends. And then in the spring of that college year, my junior year, then we started dating and dated for about 3 years and mm-hmm. then got married. So hearing that and like hearing that while you
0: were, you know, playing baseball and that was where you were focused at the time, you know, did you think that you at some day would want to have, you know, hundreds of different birds that you're hatching and, and a little homestead and, and, and the like?
1: Definitely not. And I had no... Chickens were not on my radar. Birds were not on my radar at all. Farm life was not on my radar, even though we live only like five minutes away from that college now. Um, we, we moved to Kansas City after college I did right away. I moved to Kansas City and started working a job. And then when Becky graduated the next year, then we got married and then she moved there with me. And then we just started working jobs. We lived there for 10 years. We knew we actually lived on a, in a place in Kansas City, Kansas, where you could have chickens if you wanted them. And we talked about it, but we, we had a lot of problems with neighbors. And so it was never a situation where we felt comfortable having them. Like, they, dogs, like wild dogs would get in our yard and stuff. So we were, we were pretty unsure that we could have anything there. And so from there, we, when we sold our place and came up here, which is probably some other stuff that we'll get into, but um, that's where we moved out here and started over again. And that's when we decided to get birds and that just kind of grew our passion for, for chickens and, and all kinds of birds. And how many, how many birds do you guys have these days, like right now? How many? We, I think we have 60 to 70 chickens. Not exactly sure on count from from day to day on, on that. We're always hatching out. Um, ducks, we have ten. Six turkeys. Two peafowl. Uh, any other two birds pheasant, in there? Two, pheasant. two pheasants. One emu. One emu for now. Got a couple more in the incubator. And then a couple rabbits. Five cats. That's what we got the, the
0: way you just told the story of how you guys started to get into to you know having birds in a homestead you know it, it seems like it jumps past a lot of things what what's like the first thing that makes you say hmm maybe i want to start you know raising my own chickens for example or, or you know whether it's for eggs or for meat. like what, what was the thing that spurred you to do that first
2: i would say it was probably i grew up on a farm i, I grew up in uh the saint joe area so i I was used to having a farm, we had cows and chickens and so I really enjoyed the chickens and I really wanted to get fresh eggs again when we lived in Kansas City and he would always say no, no we're not getting chickens. And so when we finally moved back here, because I wanted to get back to my home roots and live on a farm, get more property and stuff. So, I was like, finally, I can get my chickens. So, we went out and got chickens from this the local... The farm uh, store. Farm store. And I just wanted six. You know, just six simple little chickens just to have fresh eggs. And um, fr- it kind of just went from there. Like, Jake just took over. Like, he loved them. He we just... had...
1: Yeah, we, did, we were like, <laughs> okay, if we're going to have to wait six months for these chickens to lay eggs... Okay, we got six. What if we get roosters because we got straight run chickens and then we're like what if we get roosters so we better get six more just and we in got case
2: bantams, so we...
1: we ended up getting a lot of bantams we didn't know anything about <laughs> types of chickens and no. the, the lady talked us into bantams and straight run and so we end up with roosters and they were all small and we figured this out a couple months into it and so we had to start over and so we added like 10 or 15 more chickens and then we're up to like 30 and we're going like six seven months until we get our first eggs and so along that route then we started going and buying some pullets or some full-size hens to start getting some eggs right away because we were just getting impatient and then that's where we just kept adding and adding and uh, then we started getting excited about breeds and egg colors and just really diving into it finding out you can get them from hatcheries and from breeders and so we just got more passionate about it as we kept finding like the next thing to make it, you know, this is all before YouTube. We were just excited about chickens in general.
0: In this day and age with YouTube, people can just, you know, search any sort of topic that they wanted. Like how to raise chickens or how to build a chicken tractor or any of those things. And can just find that information, though. But when you guys were starting, it wasn't quite that easy. How did you figure out what to do? How did you learn the steps that you would need to take to take care of this, those initials? That was a lot of it. I,
1: YouTube was, a. that's when we started getting into YouTube. And that's what made us want to eventually do it was... We started looking up videos. We're like, okay, we need to find out about how to build a small chicken coop or how to do a chicken run, and you know, that's it. Was right when Justin Rhodes was starting his channel, and Blake Kirby and um, John Siskovic. We started stumbling on these chicken raisers on YouTube and found out about meat birds and found out about the Premier One electric fencing and. So we started finding all these little things and stumbling on these different families. And then we're like, oh, people actually like do this. Like you can just have, like we were just gonna have chickens as a hobby. And then we're like, okay, people like are having like a full-time job out of like raising animals or growing their own food. And that's where it took us into to YouTube eventually was like, if people are doing this, like I don't wanna keep driving to the city. Like at the time I was driving to Kansas city an hour away for jobs. And so it was like, if there's a way that we can live out in the country and not have to keep going to the city, that'd be awesome.
0: Now, now, with that, that's another leap that I think a lot of people will see like your videos on YouTube, for example, and say, gosh, I'd love to live like that. And, you know, get out of the rat race and get out of my you know city job and having to commute every day. You know, that's a hard transition to make, though. But you guys have made that. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: The thing I think about, like, is a lot of people see us right now where we're at, and they say like, wow, you know, you've got, you make these, you know, maybe they see them as good videos, or they say you've got a big following or something, and they just think like, oh, I can just go, and then I thought the same thing, like, I'm watching Justin Rhodes, and it's like, he was, his channel was just massively growing a couple years ago, where you're like, he makes it look so easy, and all he's doing is just, he just goes out and shoots his video uploads it and it just sounds like it's just really simple a lot of you know it doesn't take a lot of work like you just film some stuff put it together we knew nothing about editing and and building an audience and telling a story and all those things and so a lot of people see where we're at now and don't think about the first couple years like this took us two years in the making of starting our channel growing it from zero Taking like seven, eight months to just get to a thousand subscribers, to where it's like anybody was, to where anybody would even watch, and we're, every day we're putting in eight hours into filming and editing and and creating, you know, ideas for stories and and nobody saw all that work, and then they see it now, and then it looks like it's really easy and fun, which it is, but there's it's a long, it's a big learning curve to get to that point. And I think one of the things we were talking about was this was like how, you know, how we even started the channel in the first place. And that was, you know, we were following like Justin Rhodes and we thought that we could do YouTube because of, or we wanted to do YouTube because of what he was doing. But then we saw the grass fed homestead, Dan Oman started his channel and he knew nothing. Like he didn't, he had a little bit of a video background, but he knew nothing about homesteading and that's when we felt like we could actually do it ourselves when we saw a novice start and succeed with it and that's what made us want to do it and then justin was traveling the country with the great american farm tour two years ago and it was a couple months until he was going to come to missouri he hadn't told us he was going to come here but we thought we better start our channel so he has something to talk about when he's here otherwise it's just some chickens and that's about it and then he's on to the next place and So if we want to have any type of potential with this, I need to get it started. And so about two months before he got here, we started our channel and we just started filming stuff, putting it together. I really had no idea on what to do or what to talk about, but we're like, we'll just start in the middle of everything. We won't start like a, this is the first, we'll just get into it and just start running with it. And then it was about, I did for... 30 days straight we made videos and then they got here somewhere in the 30s in videos and we only had nine subscribers at the time. They got here and the next day we went to 250 subscribers for being on their video and then that's really, you know, gave us some confidence to start going with it. Um, to actually have a little bit of an audience to start running with it.
0: That first year that you or eight months or so that you describe of of having, you know, no subscribers and then going to a thousand subscribers and just all the hard work that that takes. As you're going through that, you know, how do you fight off sort of the self-doubt that you might feel or sort of the questioning of, hey, am I just wasting my time? Or or how do you push through that?
1: I see a lot. We talk to a lot of people. Youtubers will reach out to us all the time and ask us, like, how do you do this? How do you, how do you grow your channel? Things like that. And man, it takes. You gotta be. You just gotta put blinders on, and you've gotta have, almost a, an entrepreneurial uh, mindset about it. Like we were, we did a, a a business, we did a multi-level marketing business before we did, um, before we did this, and it really toughened us up because it's a in those types of businesses. And any type of business that you start, you've got to put in lots of work for potentially years without ever seeing results. And so we already had that mindset going in is that if we can, we didn't even have a a deadline on it. But like, if we can do this for two years without caring about the results, then we can, I think we could succeed. And every step of the way, you know, you're slowly growing subscribers, you're getting people watching, they're commenting immediately. So you're getting that feedback it's just trying to figure out the the YouTube al- algorithm and trying to figure out how to get to a bigger audience. And so just all those little steps just keep putting that little treat out in front of you that okay, there's a little bit of success. If I keep going, I'll get a little bit more success. And so it's just building on e- each other to where I wasn't going to quit. I was of course I was I'd get down from time to time where I'm like man, this, just is never going to grow fast enough to actually amount to anything. But either way, I was like, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying the feedback I get from people. So that's where I, I had fun with it the whole way. And, and we talk about like last year before we really like, it really took off. We actually had our worst month of like all of last year was in June. And I was looking at the stats, like YouTube sends you like monthly stats and I was looking at it and I was like, oh man, this is like, I was on a path where I had re kind of rebranded our stuff last year and where we went from like topic type videos to blog type stuff and it wasn't taken off like I thought it would. And then two months later, we had our best month ever from that worst month. And so it was like, I just had to stick through the idea long enough and not give up on it. And so that's what I tell people is just you've got to you've got to understand it's going to take a while to grow. But you've got to still learn and evolve your stuff, but you've got to if you just keep pushing through and don't give up, I think everybody can do this if they stick with it long enough.
0: I think that's that's some really good advice. Um you know, across the the homesteading community, so which, you know, there is that really strong base of folks who are homesteading and and farming and at the same time managing a channel too. It's a very tight-knit group. Um, Have you guys found a lot of connections through that homesteading community?
2: Yeah, I think it really helped. Um, We ended up going to the Homesteaders of um, America conference the first year it came out. And we were willing just to drive as far as it it took. It was about an 8 to 12-hour drive out there
1: um yeah it's like 12 or 15 hours to that spot in virginia and yeah and we didn't have any community around here like justin came here and tried to establish that with the farm tour they have meetups and then he'd tell everyone when he comes to those meetups like okay everybody meet everybody because this is your chance to meet people in your area that are interested in this kind of thing and we created a facebook group and it never really took off to where we all we were still friends with a couple people from that but not really so it's really hard to find people in our area. Mm-hmm. So that's why the YouTube homestead community has been really cool because it's given us a way to reach out, but that Homesteaders Conference, what was that like for
2: Yeah, for it, us? it really helped us find people that had similar values as us and just connect to people and learn more stuff. Like we were just not aware of techniques and different things that we had learned out there. So it was really good for us.
1: And at the time we went to that conference and of course we met like Doug and Stacy and the Pratts and Esther Emery. And so we started meeting all these YouTubers out there and that was really cool to see. And then we thought, okay, well, I think at the time we had like 700 subscribers or something. We're like, Oh, you know, a few people might recognize us or something and somebody recognized us at the check-in table. Like, Oh, Hey, I watch you guys. And we're like, and we're like Oh, Hey, cool. Yeah. Thanks. And then we're like, Oh, this is right at the beginning of the day. Like, we were going to get like swarmed by people. And that was the only person in the entire conference that came up to us and talked to us. And so we were really bummed that we kind of missed that opportunity to talk to them, but um, that it was just, it was fun to actually be recognized for the first time and then to get to be a part of that. But yeah, we, we had so much fun there. We filmed at it and put a video out from it and that got the attention of, Amy fuel and the home Centers of America, uh, group. And so then the, this last year they paid us to be the videographers for it for last year and this coming year. And, and so it, it opened a lot of doors. It created a lot of connections with, um, Amanda at the fundamental home. We did a collaboration with them and with the frugal family food group, and then started that relationship with Doug and Stacy and a lot of different people that it built from there. And we didn't have a lot of connections other than like Justin and Rebecca, And so that really helped open some doors just going and getting around other people and then being a part of that community. And that's this last year we went and it doubled in size, that Homesteaders Conference. And there were easily 40 YouTube channels there. There were 2,000 people. It grew, it doubled in size, and there were more speakers. And um, so I just think each year it's showing that it's creating its own space for being a force in the homesteading community, but then it's a great spot for everybody to come together. And I think we, I think we need more events like that in different areas. It's tough. I know in the, in farming or homesteading, it's tough to get away from your animals or from growing your food from time to time. But it's great to have those types of events that you can get to hang out with other people. It would be
2: really nice if it was a little bit closer to the Midwest and stuff, but
1: yeah, I know everybody would feel that way. Like it, you know, the, the, Northwest or something, you know, they have the Mother Earth News Fair or something, but they don't have a big event either. So it's just tough for to have a central location. Of course, that'd be great, but just to have more events that people can come to and make friends in their area or make friends just online through through this whole thing because it's such a an isolating endeavor. And you're feeding your chickens. And, you know, we, we film it and put it on YouTube, but so many people we're one of, you know, representing a thousand people that go out and just do it without any recognition and can constantly get burnt out or wonder if it, if it's worth it, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the effort? And that's what people just need to know is that it's worth it and that there's other people out there doing this exact same thing at the same time. And I think that's the great thing about sharing it online is that we can all converse through the comments. People can comment on it and. And enjoy that there's somebody else going through the same thing that they're going through.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a great point. And it's it's something I've personally found, too, is that, yeah, be, like we're in a remote spot. We're three hours from Boston or two hours from Burlington or three hours from Hartford. Like none of those places are close. And so having those connections with people, especially when you're out doing stuff on a daily basis, like online communities, whether it's through YouTube or a Facebook group or or message board or whatever, that becomes a big part of how you connect with people who are of a similar mindset, have a similar lifestyle. And then, you know, having those real time or, or kind of in-person congregation points are so much harder to have. I mean, yeah, we've got the same dilemma here in New England where it's like, oh gosh, I'd have to drive, you know, 12 hours, 13 hours to get down to uh, like Homesteaders of America. But but then you start to think about it and you meet so many people online they you say, wow, it'd be great to meet them in person too.
1: Yeah, there's only a few you know spots like that throughout the year, so it's definitely worth uh, worth being there. Are you looking at coming this next year? I think I think
0: I am. I th- I'm gonna try to make a road trip down. Um, probably stop along the way. It's, it's funny. I I used to live in in DC, and um, kind of was not quite tuned into these things when it was go like the first year it happened, and then. I moved up here and then I'm like, oh, I should go to that. And I was like, oh, that's a little When you're an hour
1: away, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, yeah hour hour. it's only like an hour from DC. Oh yeah, no, it's it's
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Front Royal's close. It's it's very close. So so talk to me a little bit about, you know, one of the things that you do, and you mentioned this earlier, is you guys are really capturing kind of slice of life and vlog style, like what your day-to-day looks like. You know, you guys are at the core of it. Your kids are a big part of the story and how you, you engage there. What's that like in terms of being a parent and putting your kids out there in a YouTube video?
2: It could be hard. It's, it's been some points where we're like, it's easier if you just go out and do the chores by yourself. I can get them done so much faster. But if the kids are like, oh, I want to go help, it's really hard to say, no, no, let's not. Because I want them to learn, I want them to experience everything with the animals and stuff. And so it's just, you have to make sure you're not, you know, the little kids um, making sure they're not like suffocating the chicks and stuff and or you know, hurting them. So it's just like, you have to, it's so much more stressful and you have to really pay attention and stuff. Well, there's
1: times we want to discipline them or set up, you know, would you quit strangling the chicken or the cat, please? Like, and you're trying to film for a video and you're like, okay, I can't be yelling at the kid on video, so that's not great. Uh, Or I can't use that, that bit of it. Um, And then I always think about like our kids or someday, like we're saving all this footage. Like they're going to look back and, you know, just see everything that, is unedited that we didn't put on youtube like they'll have all this footage of like i don't know it's just funny but some of our best memories are like we have this video from our first year of um of like why kids or why our kids help with chicken butchering or something like that and eli he was then four or five yeah and he helps us every step of the way it's like it's all about him helping with the process and i love that video just seeing him really get his hands dirty and help us with it. And then it's so cool to see them, like they know when we have a chicken or a duck on the table, like that we grew that food on our farm and they, they've they watched us process them. And so ever since they've been young, they've known, that's all they've known is that we grow our own food and that's not how we were raised. And so it's just cool that they're gonna have this totally different mindset about food than we ever did and had to relearn like how to take care of our, ourselves and our bodies. And so that's a really cool part of it, being able to document our lives to look back on. All this footage is so fun. And then it can be a little tough like with the comments sometimes, like our the things that viewers nitpick, which is uh, our, our peacock hatching video we did last August was like our big first big video to like go kind of viral and get over a million views and it was either that one maybe it was the second one in that series and uriah comes into the scene and i didn't even see it editing i'm watching myself during the edit and he comes in and he like puts his hand in uh the water bowl of our
2: Is this a plant sit-notte. like a
1: planter a planter bowl he puts his finger like in the water of it so it's like dirty water and then like licks it and i didn't even see it during the edit and then all of a sudden like
2: Everybody knows this.
1: Like a thousand people tell me about my kid licking this dirty water. And I'm like, Oh man. Oh,
2: Only if you know, (laughs) that's the only thing we got on video. So
1: So just the things that you miss or the things that people point out, or we've got different cat videos and they'll say your kid's too rough. And so some of it's, you know, they're making a, a good point. Sometimes they cross the line a little bit and we'll deal with that, but it's, we're really enjoying it, and it's it's fun to us. I know it's it can be a little weird. We go out into public, and everybody knows. Like we went to the Homesteaders Conferences last year, and everybody already knew Eli and Uriah. They know them, but we don't know who these people are. So it's it's kind of weird to deal with the, um, you know that attention on that part of it. Like I'm cool that they know us. It's a little weird that they know our kids, and we'll talk to them about personal stuff. But I think it's in the end, we're really gonna cherish having all this footage of them growing up this way it's really cool and, and what did they think of it all
2: i think they like it they're still pretty young like they don't like doing chores they're typical kids where they're just like some days they're like yeah i want to do it um i think they love the garden though i absolutely when they during the summer when they go out there they help me plant it they watch it grow and then they're out there eating it before i can even get out there so i think that's just fun um seeing them take advantage to that and learning that. They you don't get to learn that normally so
1: And Eli's been really excited about he's been getting cameras. Like grandma will buy him little basic cameras and he loves taking pictures and shooting video and he'll be like, Dad, I got some video for you to use in your on YouTube I'm Like, all right son. Like we'll we'll take a look at it. But so it's really cute that he's likes he sees what I like to do and wants to be a part of that and so I could see him at some point maybe having his own channel and and uh, doing his own, having his own story and stuff. So it's really cool to see them interested in what we're interested in and then also that it's, um, you know, teaching them some good values. But yeah, of course, as kids, they, they fight a lot of it, you know, fighting. They're great when we don't have the camera on and then we turn the camera on and then all of a sudden they, they won't, you know, they won't smile or they'll turn their head or so there's times when they want to perform or be part of the video, and there's times when they're just difficult.
2: But they have, like, Eli wants to have his own chickens or his own duck. He has his own duck right now. Yeah. So he, he gets involved in that. Like, he's like, oh, I want my own chickens. I'm like, well, then you have to take care of them. And he's only, what, six. And so he's he's still too young to understand that he has to go out there and feed them every day and take care of them. But I think it's just fun to teach them that young so they are understanding that as they grow up that they have to have respect for the animals and stuff so
0: yeah it's good yeah uh, that's pretty incredible yeah i mean you think i think about how long it's taken me to learn just some very basic things as i've gone from you know living a life in the city to out here on our farm and yeah i couldn't imagine like the experiences that he's having growing up and sort of what that equips him for in life um talk talk to me a little bit about your plans for your farm like w- what are your plans for the future you know at, at your current place and then even beyond if
1: any so we rent here we've we've lived here for three years we lived in kansas city for 10 and then we sold our house and then moved here and we didn't want to rush into buying another property because we bought that property in kansas city right before the housing market crash and then we were stuck there for 10 years like we tried to sell it after like being there a year and we couldn't get out of it and So we didn't wanna rush into something that we weren't sure if we wanted to live in long-term. And so that's why we found this rental and it was a great place to start. And we have enough freedom here to be able to have some chickens, but we can't have the bigger animals. There's just not enough land for us to be able to have a milk cow and to have pigs and stuff. And so that's the ultimate goal would be to have our own property eventually, either to have a house that we fix up or build and then have all the animals that we want because we just have We've just found that we really have a, a love for all kinds of animals, and we really want to raise our own food, so to be able to have a bigger garden, have have all of those animals we want to have that milk cow. That's our ultimate goal with all of it, and so we're just um, trying to build everything along the way from you know our YouTube channel to help fund that, and then um, and to be able to share our story along the way to document our story, and then be able to find that place eventually to to move to i don't know what do you what do you want eventually
2: yeah that's what i want but we're, we just have to keep in mind that what our goal is and then so we've been living as cheap as possible um our rim here is very minimal and the, our animals are getting a little bit crazy but we are trying to keep the animals to minimal where we can handle them in, in our space because I know in the summer and stuff, we when we try to move them to different plots and keep them on grass, it, it's getting kind of to the point where we're like, we're running out of space. So that's, we had um, a little bit of plot of land over where my dad's shop is, about a, a couple miles away. And so we were accessing a little bit more land, and so we are like, oh, we just wish we could do so much more. But we just know that what our end goal is, and so... Um, we tried to keep it as minimal here so that we could save up and have our own space and go crazy with, you know, all the animals we want and stuff. We yeah, we,
1: yeah, so like that that space a couple miles away, we've used that to raise chickens and turkeys uh, for meat, and then her parents uh, have a garden plot that they don't use, and so we gardened there last year to have extra garden space, and so we're just having to get creative to be able to do all the things we want to do, but Yeah, it's been tough here because we don't have, we want to grow so much more food and we're just so limited on space. But then we basically have lived here for a couple years doing this on very low income, um, either traveling for jobs or cutting back on work to be able to build this as much with as much time as possible. And so that's what a lot of people will say when you look successful like why don't you have a place of your own and so it's just been recently that we've actually made any money through this endeavor to where like two years of this we've basically done for no money and so that's where we've just been doing everything we can so we can have the life we want to have later on
0: yeah no i think that 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 really resonates with me because that that is a big part of that struggle of Building that foundation takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. And then even once you, know, and you guys have really achieved a lot in the last couple of years, once you get to that spot, it still takes a lot more to, to truly kind of get where your your end goal is. Beyond the space, though, I'm curious, what other criteria would you guys have for, for selecting your homestead of the future?
1: We said it we, we were on a video last year with Red Toolhouse as uh, another YouTube channel in West Virginia and they had that was kind of the topic of it was that we were renting before buying and we said a lot of our goals in that video was um, we wanted 20 our goal was to have 20 acres to have a pond to have it be half wooded half pasture and then to be able to have all the animals we want to be able to um, really dive more into a lot of the, like Joel Salatin's practices to be able to rotate animals um from chickens to cows to to pigs turkeys to be able to do that for all of our meat and then to be able to have all those other animals that we either have just for fun or to that serve a purpose like a milk cow or something like that well i don't know what else were you wanting we
2: don't even. i mean we we're kind of open if there's a house on there or if we're going to build a house we're kind of open there because we,
1: we we know when we because land is pretty pricey here it's in like southern missouri and some other some other parts of the midwest lands a lot cheaper we're in kind of a big ag area and so land goes for a lot more here cuz people want to farm it and so for us to buy you know 10 or 20 or 30 acres is going to cost a lot and so we're already going into that with the expectation of to find decent land we're probably not going to have a very good house on it either no house or it's going to be a fixer upper And so we're already going into it with we're going to probably have to fix up that house or build something else in place of it once we get it going there. So we know it'll be a long a long road ahead of us. But that's if we find the property that we want to live on forever, that it'll definitely be worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: No, I, I think that that it's you're smart not to rush into that stuff. Um, for, for people who are out there watching your videos and, and really dreaming of leading a lifestyle where yeah, they're raising their own food, they're not working an office job, they're kind of stepping away from those things, what what sort of advice would
1: you have for folks like that? You always say to start small.
2: Yeah, I think it was really good that we started with just a few chickens and then the next year, we, we we ended up getting more chickens and we kind of explored that more. Um, meat chickens, we kind of just did that small. We didn't just get a ton of them and then get overwhelmed and kind of go away from it. I think we started small, we learned, and then we kind of gradually went bigger. Um, our garden, our garden first year was super tiny. Um, and then the next year, I was like, ooh, I want to do more. There's, And it's like every year, you want to do a little bit more. so. It's just learning what you can on just what you've got and then eventually you'll be able to handle a bigger pot of land where you can farm or, you know, grow your, all the food you want on there. So it's just smarting starting small and then working your way up to where you really want to be.
1: Yeah, people always tell us they don't they don't know how they don't know if they'd be able to raise chickens or they don't know how to do something. You won't know how to do anything unless you do it. And so if you just try it even if you fail, at least you've tried. Now you've learned something, mm-hmm. and so that's all we've done in the process: is tried a little bit, figured out if it's if it'll work for us, if it's sustainable.
2: See if you like it,
1: and then you've got to figure out how to pay for it all. And so not getting in too deep with, because uh, you're gonna have to feed all these animals that you get. And so we only deal with that on a small scale because birds eat a lot, but they don't eat a, as much as like a pig or a cow or something. And so we're just dealing with that on a small on a small scale, but each step of the way, we've just tried to make sure that we are offsetting our costs with like our egg sales or some way to make money with it, so it's not just an expensive hobby.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and, and why do you think overall there's, there seems to be a movement of people who are trying to you know, grow their own food and get that closer to connect, closer connection to where their food comes from and closer connections to their family. Why do you think that that movement's growing right now?
1: More people seem to be aware of it, just with all the, um, with the whole foods and the organic type of foods out there, they start thinking about it, start to be brought to their attention. For us, it was brought to the attention when we watched a couple of movies. We watched mm-hmm. Food Incorporated. Um, there was another movie or two that we watched, but we watched that and just heard all of the problems in the whole food delivery system from, just the
2: the stuff they put in it,
1: the stuff they put in how it, how they
2: raise the animals, Absolutely. what yeah. they feed them, and how, how they're taken care of. It just kind of makes you think like, oh, you don't know what you're eating or what you're putting in your body. So it just makes you think that's not what we want. So we, we were just really keen on, let's raise our own food. We know exactly how the chickens are going to be raised. We know what they're eating.
1: And then you like to process chickens, right?
2: I don't know, say it was my favorite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She said, well, what'd you say? You said if you'll, if I do the, like the butchering part of it. Right. You would do everything else. Yeah, I, I do the, yeah. She'll do the scalding and she'll, and then she'll package them up. She'll do the cooking of them, of course. So there's parts that, you know, she might not enjoy as much, but I was like, it's worth it to, to raise our own food. But yeah, it all goes back to, we just got better educated about our food system And then we wanted to take control of ourselves. We had some family members that have dealt with cancers and different illnesses. And we're just like, if I keep going down this road, I'm seeing so many people end up that way. And I may still, you know, we're still going to have to deal with old age and health at some point. But if we can live our best life, live the way we want to free in the country, growing our food where we know where it comes from. I mean, I think that's for us, it's the dream to be able to have control of our freedom and not have other people have input into what goes into our body, where we're actually controlling what goes into our body. I don't know why people wouldn't want to do that. And so we're just trying to share that message. And we love hearing when other people tell us that we had a little part of inspiring them to do that. But even if we didn't, if they just do it because they want to take better care of themselves or their family, we think that's awesome. And there needs to be more people growing their own food Um, I think the world would be a better place, the land would be better for it, and there would be a lot, I think, happier families if they were taking care of themselves and not just going to work to pay for food that other people made for them. I just think the world would be a better place.
0: Hear Jake and Becky's story, it really does inspire me. It makes me want to stay hunkered down here in this office, keep working on my videos, keep working on this podcast, go back outside and keep building stuff for our farm here. It really motivates me to hear stories like that. I hope you enjoyed this episode too. If you want to learn more about Jake and Becky and you're not already familiar with them, be sure to check out their YouTube channel. It's incredible, it's White House on the Hill. It's got some amazing videos, some really entertaining videos, and you'll learn a lot along the way, too. So be sure to check them out. And, and thank you, Jake and Becky, for agreeing to do the interview with me. Um, so that's it. That's all we've got this week on the Goldshaw Farm podcast. Um, again, I really ask you guys, if you have a chance, uh, be sure to rate us and review us on Stitcher or Apple or Google or wherever you're hearing this podcast. Those ratings and reviews really help us out. We're just a brand new podcast and we could use all the help we can get. Also, be sure to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just look for Goldshaw Farm. Uh, we put out YouTube videos about twice a week, sometimes a little bit more. We put a ton of Instagram content out there, including a daily count of our eggs here on the farm. And I have just recently set up a discussion group for this podcast on facebook so look for the facebook group goldshaw farm podcast and and you can um, meet up with other people who are listening to the show talk about stuff that comes up on this show as well as talk about some other interesting stuff and i will see you guys next time here on the goldshaw farm podcast where we are telling stories about people who are homesteading farming and following their dreams it's got a soul this here old farm it falls asleep Inside my arms We work the fields Under the stars The love is here At Goldshop Farms A city life yet had its charms But we would dream Of the fields under the stars I fall asleep Inside its arms The love is here At Goldshop Farms Love is here at Gold